finish our general chit chat and go back to our seats or whatever. Um, Steve Hills, Chairman of the Missions Committee here at St Albans and um, just really a continuation of the self-denial month and what would I want the church to know. But before we start, and I'm going to let these guys actually introduce themselves, I have a question for Margot Davies. You're over there, there you are. When you guys go out for a family meal or to the movies, do you freak out that your family won't put their shoes on? You don't? Do they put their shoes on when they go out or they just go out with no shoes on generally? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm not sure about the no shoes stuff, but anyway. All right. So, look, I've, I've asked these guys to be interesting, enlightening and exciting, but also keep you guys interested. So, um, without any further ado, I'm going to let them introduce themselves as we go. It's slightly different, um, and I'll explain when we get through what we're going to do. So, Alex, kick off, please. Hi, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm responsible for these three lovelies over here, and uh, <laughs> I run a logging business and a firewood business. Um, yeah, what's all a, about what's it. A short-term mission. Short-term mission. Um, I lived in India for six months in uh, early '90s. I did diplomacy missions for two years. My name is George Hatting, and I'm uh, I'll be brought. Born and brought up in South Africa, been in New Zealand now for about 21 years, so I can call myself a spring black. <laughs> and um, uh, yes, I uh, started getting a passion for well, mission and uh, evangelism when I got saved, which I'll tell you about later on. Now, uh, I do one-on-one -on -one if I get an opportunity. Uh, and I ask the Lord for opportunities, and the other thing that I do, I support the church in uh, the Philippines. It started with 80 people, just over 200 congregants at the moment, three services a Sunday. That's me, and my shoe size is 11. <laughs> Same. Uh, I'm Sebastian Felix Norman, born in the Royal United Hospital of Bath in 1992. Um, I have been in New Zealand for four and a half years now. Um, and you lost against the Italians. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to avoid spring, uh, Springbok fans, um, so I can't really say anything in return. <laughs> uh, the cost of mission. Um, yeah, um, yeah, my mission here is just being youth pastor, but I think first and foremost it's joining in God's mission here in Christchurch. Um, and that is partly very much... Uh, rooted here, obviously working with young people, but also there's a city-wide focus for me, um, connecting with others and also praying for the city, which I'm really passionate about. My name is Robin Holland. I've been on Transcend short-term mission trips um, to Fiji and to Bangladesh, India, and I'm going to talk about the Fiji trip. So probably those of you who've holidayed in Fiji have seen that people speak English and go to church so you may be thinking that Fiji's a tame place to go on a mission trip. But how many people would include a visit to a third world prison on their So Robin, let me, let me just do an intro. So we're going to do something slightly different. We've actually got some preset questions, but we're going to let Robin tell her story across the questions. Then I'm going to use these three guys as the panel discussion. So if you're wondering why is Robin keeping talking, it's because we pre-agreed it. Back to you. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Okay, so... Um, how did God call me to missions? So I married and moved to Arrowtown. Um, it was devastating to find out that I was unable to have children. 
And since there were very few New Zealand children available for adoption, um, I strongly felt that God was leading us to pursue overseas adoption. But that door slammed shut in our faces, and I was totally gutted. Uh, the next morning, I read that God knows me better than I know myself. So I went walking and surrendered the pain to God and asked him what my purpose was if it was not to be a mother. Then God reminded me about when I was at um, St. Albans Baptist here. In 1998, I applied to go on a trip to visit Jeanette in Thailand. And that trip did not go ahead until we moved um, away from St. Albans Baptist. Um, but now the thought of going on a short-term mission trip renewed my hope. Right, and um, we joined a former missionary couple and three others at Queenstown Baptist Church, and we decided to go on a Transcend Do team trip to Fiji. Yeah, so a financial challenge was um, that we were away from work for two weeks and had to pay for um, our airfares and the trip fees. And um, mentally, I had to prepare myself to be living with a group of 30 people for two weeks, many of whom I didn't know. And male and females had to sleep in separate dorms. And um, also, I wondered what the living conditions would be like in a Fijian village. Yeah, so that, um, the challenges that I faced doing missions... Right, so this do team manual, this uh, thing I read in there was, um, it said, we take you from New Zealand and relocate you into the heart of a third world prison and get you to give your life story to rapists, murderers and the like. <laughs> so immediately that became my greatest fear. So I, Im I imagined that the prison would be like a damp, dark, old concrete toilet block. So I prayed for a testimony to share. God gave me a powerful testimony of when I committed my life to him at age 28. He had changed my life and healed me from depression um, to marry and lead a fulfilling life. Although God has not blessed me with children, my hope is in him. A, a scripture I've held on to is um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. It's, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Yeah. So I knew that my testimony would be encouraging to share in a woman's prison, but that wasn't on the itinerary. And um, one morning in Fiji, God woke me at 4.30 a.m. and gave me a picture of how he healed my heart when I had depression. My heart was like an empty bucket with a hole in it. So you pour water into the bucket and it never stays full. I felt like I was continually needy, always receiving prayer and taking 
from people and that I had nothing to give back. Then God healed the heart hole in my heart, just like patching up the hole in a bucket. And I'm now filled with his love, and I can give it out to others to help and comfort them, just as Jesus comforted me in my time of trial. So I included that in my testimony. So um, we were going to visit the men's prison where I was to share. I was really disappointed because I knew my testimony was for women. There was heavy rain and flooding in Suva, and at the last minute we were unable to visit the men's prison because the open sewers were flooded. Instead, they said we had to visit the women's prison. <laughs> which is never on the itinerary. And I sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I was just overjoyed because I knew that was why God had taken me on that trip. Yeah, so um, at the prison, our team sang and um, did a drama, another person spoke, and then it was my turn to speak. I shared, you know, but for the grace of God, we could easily be in the same situation as the women prisoners. Then I told my story. Afterwards, to my surprise, one of the Fijian prisoners stood up and openly shared her horrific story of being abused during childhood and marriage. They, um, in the Fijian prisons, they have an alpha course, and this woman has recommitted her life to Christ. It took immense courage for that woman to share in front of the other prisoners. I was so humbled by that woman's honesty and vulnerability. I said tears streaming down my face. I went and hugged her and the other prisoners. <laughs> when our team left, and the prison chaplain said to us that our visit had a significant impact on these women's lives. And after that, it was decided that each do team would visit the women's prison. So I was so astonished that God had turned my greatest fear on the Fiji trip into my greatest highlight. <laughs> yeah. He changed my passion uh, to wanting to help people. Uh, due to living in Arrowtown and other issues, I was unable to pursue that until five years later when we moved to Arrowtown. Uh, we moved to Hobart, I mean. Yeah, so I, be um, I began studying there and... Um, Back here in New Zealand, I've been employed as a residential mental health support worker, which I found fulfilling. It was so amazing that this role included skills from all of my previous work and life experience. Before God healed the depression, I thought my life was worthless. So... I'm excited that God's healing journey took me on a full circle to be able to help others. 
and that blessing in my life came from stepping out and going on the mission trip. Good on you, Robin. That was courageous. Well done. Righto, gentlemen. Seb, how did you know you were called to the mission you were called to? Oh, um, I'll give you the short version because the long one's a two-and-a-half-year process. But um, midway through 2014, um, I just felt a real nudge um, from God about New Zealand. I'd, I'd visited in 2011 with two mates, and we'd been around North and South Island in a, a very small van for three young men. And that was great. Um, and I thought, great to go back at some point before I'm pushing up daisies, but didn't think I'd be back um, anytime soon. But then God just, whoosh, New Zealand. And, you know, it was that process of, is it me? Is it a cheese pizza? You know, like, am I making it up? But just, again, God just confirming New Zealand, New Zealand, New Zealand. Um, and I was midway through a degree when he first started nudging me um, and very settled in my, my youth work job. But so, yeah, just giving it all to him, being like, do you want me to go now? Do you want me to quit my degree? And no, um, that wasn't the case. Um, but then uh, there was a key moment. He told me to draw a map of New Zealand, um, told me where to put a dot, and I did. And he said, that's where you need to look into moving to. Um, and then, you know, again, weighing it up, was that me? And then I spent a whole morning just praying um, about whether I should do a, um, a recce trip to Christchurch, because that's where the dot was. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And then I thought, okay, I think I, I think I just need to follow up on this. I get on a train going from Bristol back to Bath, and there's these two women nattering in front of me. And I thought, oh, I know that accent. Um, they're two Kiwi ladies. And I say, oh, I'm thinking of maybe moving to New Zealand. And this lady looks me square in the eye and says nothing else apart from go to Christchurch. And so my heart's just like, Pfft. and I, I, I couldn't go anywhere without two to three days max without God nudging me about New Zealand. And, um, and I really tested it as well. Um, it's a big thing. So, yeah, that's how I knew I was called to Christchurch. And coming here, doing the, the recce trip, just everything confirmed it. For me, being here is like hand in a glove. Um, I love that the automatic doors slide slowly open in Christchurch compared to England. Um, I love that everyone wants a Ford Ranger rather than a Porsche. I just, I, I love the rugby, so, but I love the people, and yeah, anyway, that's how I knew. Don't you wish you had a middle name, Felix? Wouldn't that be cool, you know? <laughs> Stephen Felix Hills would just go well. George, how do you know you were called to do what you do in the Philippines? Well, I don't really think that I can say that I was ever called to mission, because I've never done mission and mission as such. If you equate evangelism to mission, then yes, then that I've been doing. But uh, to me, it was more of a revelation that uh, not necessarily going to New Zealand, but going to the ends of the earth was one of the uh, uh, command, part of the command of the Lord. But uh, to me, it was more that I realized I, when I got saved, that I have got a treasure, uh, immensely big treasure and I had this and I still have it this absolute uh, hankering to want to share this tre treasure you know it's like like you've been to a place that is like paradise and it costs nobody any money to get there why would you not want to share it because you know what the consequences are to those people if you don't share it with them they are going to go to the non-paradise part of things. So to answer your question, it is pretty much, and I, and I don't understand that everybody that is saved don't have the same desire to want to share 
the gospel with other people. You know, we sometimes say, oh, well, I don't know what to say. You don't have to worry about anything. The Lord will tell you what to say. The Holy Spirit will lead you. And it is, once you have that sort of freedom to tell people about the Lord, why would you not do it? And I got that as part of my uh, uh, salvation. And the other side of the coin was that it was also the last command that the Lord left us with. And if you are a follower of him, you should follow his commands. And that means even going to the ends of the earth. Good on you, George. Sock man. Is there something wrong, Sock? No, you're not. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, in my early 20s, I was... Um, I just got to this point where I'd been working my family business with the old man for um, probably around five years. And I just had this thing about India, and I just couldn't... I can't explain it, but it was... But like I've said here, was going on about, although you need to work on that Hilux thing, mate, go away from the ranger. Um, is um, I was just, I just could not get India out of my head. And so I started this journey um, to heading towards working in India. And it got to the point where it was just easier to be obedient and just go because it was, I just couldn't get away from God. It was just like, Oh, it's just, all right, I can't do it. And it was, um, it took probably 18 months and it was, yeah, it was a tough time just being, just feeling like I was being chased. And in the end it was like, okay. Do you want to carry on and do the second one? How have you been, were blessed? I know it was a challenging time for you, but any blessing from it? Um, I think, well, I think, I think blessing and sacrifice are a little bit sort of tied up. Um, some of the blessings that I saw in going to India, well, it was an amazing life experience. Like India back in the very early 90s was very isolated, no, no internet, no Western influence. I would, I know that there was no similarity between New Zealand and India. It's just, man, it is talk about culture shock. Um, as far as what God was doing in India, um, well, just a very brief overview. Uh, India is a country of over a billion people now, um, approximately 2% Christian, so pretty small Christian presence. Um, Thomas was martyred there, which you know, some of you may, may not know, one of the disciples. Um, so there's been a Christian in, a influence for a long, long time, but it's been a real slow burn. Um, so anyway, I was really intrigued with India, and I got there, uh, and God is doing some truly, truly astounding things. I worked in this uh, mission outfit called International Outreach, and they, they were working in a number of areas. We used to go and do these outreaches in, in villages, you know, really basic villages, and we just roll up there, play some music in the square, and see who turned up, and a bunch of people would turn up, and we would... Um, you know, we'd give a little message and we'd say, who wants to get prayed for? Is anyone sick or, or whatever? People would turn up and we'd pray for them and God would heal them. It was just staggering. I prayed for this lady who had, her back would have been bent over, just like, oh, she was looking at her toes. 
And I prayed for it and cast out the spirit of infirmity. And her back just went and just straightened up in front of me. And it was just, I tell you, that was just truly staggering. It was just staggering. Yeah. Saying some things, I mean, there's a lot of toil. There's a lot of struggle in India. I mean, I've stepped over dead bodies in the street. It's a tough place. It really is. But some of the things God was doing is... Um, I was in Hyderabad. Uh, everything's made out of concrete there. It's a very dry place. There's no trees, so it's all made out of concrete. This, I was in this big building, and there was a stage um, that would have been at least shoulder height, and the musicians were all playing up there, playing some worship songs. And these three guys on the front of the stage all got slain in the spirit and fell off the stage head first onto the concrete floor from like shoulder height. And just hear the, just the impact. It was like everyone was... They were out cold for about 20 minutes and then they just stood up, walked back on the stage and carried on playing to never mark on them. Never mark on them. And they fell from probably five feet, let alone how high they were, probably 10 feet for their face to land on the, on, on the concrete. Just, man, crazy stuff. Cool story, mate. Seb, the blessing. Um, yeah, definitely the people. Um, and I'll touch on that in a bit later, but um, the people's definitely been a huge blessing, uh, meeting you guys, but also people who um, are not part of this church too, in the city and in the nation. Um, the land, the land is stunning. Um, it's, it's like, you know, you guys know, it's like a postcard every time you turn a corner on the road. Um, and not just how it looks, but um, there's something very, I mean, I've traveled to quite a few places, but there's something very profound about the land here. And I don't care if I sound happy right now, but there's something very spiritual about what God's doing <coughs> with the land, excuse me, and Tangata Whanua and Tangata Turiti as well. So that's, that's pretty profound. Um, and just the privilege of seeing what he's doing here, to be honest, has been really special. So yeah, those are probably my things I'd list. But the, the, the joy part, well, what do I get out of it? I get immense joy out of it. It is like, uh, I don't know whether, well, I do know very few of you would have had this experience. If you find somebody that's drowning and you save them, that joy that they have in their eyes when they feel solid ground again, it is that same joy that you as the rescuer sort of feel when you share the Lord with somebody and, it, and, 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 and he opens up, she opens up and gives their life to the Lord. And apart from that, uh, the joy that is in you, it is, it is, it is just, you know, the scripture says that you, 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 for every soul that's saved, you, uh, there's a party in heaven. So I just call myself a party maker for short. <laughs> yeah. so, but just experience that, have that joy. It is, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know what to say. You know, it, 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 is, it is joy beyond anything. You know, I'm not a singer. And I did something for the, the guys in the Philippines the other day and I and I could it was to them it was a big blessing. And I stood up from my desk and I started singing and I got into the car, I had to go somewhere and I thought, you know, that wasn't too bad that that, that song that you sang, eh? Maybe you should actually try it in church. That's why I sit at the back where there's no people in front of me that they don't say, what is that man doing over there? Look at that. So I've got a bit of space to... But that is that sort of... You, you do things that you would not normally do. You, 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 you know, 
you just go. Uh, and, and, and just ask the Lord to show you an opportunity. This guy's name is Zach. Ask him, oh, is it Zachariah? I don't know. Yes, it is. Do you know who he was? No, I don't. Is is a character in the Bible. Have you got the Bible? There you've got a connection. And that, if he wants the Bible and he reads it, great. That's all. I guess the thing that really hit me with the answer, I don't know what these guys are actually saying today. They've just got the questions. But the thing that really just hit home to me is none of them are looking for payback. None of them are looking for a vault of this or a vault of that. They're just doing it because they want the joy of the Lord and they want to be obedient. So one of the questions I wanted them to be really honest about, and they'll be honest with you, is what has been the sacrifice, personally, financially, or whatever, in doing what you have done or did or are doing right now? And what does that mean? George, you start. There is no such thing as sacrifice for the Lord because you've got to look at it None of what you think you have is actually yours. It is all his. You are purely a custodian. So financially there is no sacrifice because you're just using the money that he's given you in any case to further his kingdom. And what a blessing for for him to, to task you to do that and give you the means. And as far as health is concerned, uh, there will only be a sacrifice if you try and do it in your own power. If you do it in his power, if he gives you a job to do, he will give you the means to do that job. So there is no sacrifice if you do it in his power. Um, Yeah, I I think for me there was a sacrifice (laughs) Um, in terms of counting up the cost of leaving family and friends. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons God was so gracious in giving me two and a half years because it gave me a lot of time to pray and process and feel and think um, and visualize. I knew I'd be missing weddings, births, deaths, um, people, and time, time with people. That's probably the the biggest thing for me. Um, Getting on that plane with a a suitcase on January the 4th, 2017, knowing that um, the decision to follow God and where he was leading me has taken my time with my parents from this to this, you know, in terms of face-to-face potentially. I don't know the future, but um, yeah, that was, that was pretty big. Um, but he, he's so worth it, as George was alluding to. Like, he is so, so worth it, and he is so able to meet needs. Um, yeah, so I, I just can't talk about the sacrifices without mentioning how he's met them, if, if that's okay. Um, so yeah, like for me, um, he gave me time to process um, where I live. I've, I've lived in for the last four and a half years, and I felt home there within three weeks or so. And he just knew what I needed. Um, he knew what I needed more than I, I knew I needed. He gave me real spiritual family, like you guys and, and others, uh, when my biological family are far. Um, and he gave me like-minded people as well. I was, I was doing accountability with a, a fella um, here within four months of arriving. Um, so he's so kind. He's so kind, and he, he really meets us in those those places. But, yeah, I was definitely counting up cost. Definitely, definitely. And I think probably the hardest thing I find right now is uh, my parents aren't Christian. And my older brother, two sons, older brother's in Germany, and I'm in New Zealand. So he's off the hook now, which he's very happy about because he seems very close to the UK now. But um, the the thing that hurts me the most is seeing the pain in my mum and dad 
knowing that we're abroad. And that's definitely the hardest thing. I don't think there's a person in this church, Seb, that doesn't actually have a heart for what you've done here and just the incredible work you're doing with the young people. So it's amazing to hear how God does actually allow you to heal those sacrifices. It's, it's courageous. Alex. Yeah, I think George is a bit further along the track than me because, um, yeah, I've certainly found some sacrifices um, in those decisions. Um, certainly my health struggled at times in India and coming back. Um, I know that Hannah Lady talked last week about a debrief and I think that would have been really useful to um, work through some of the stuff I'd, I'd gone through personally and, and just the stuff I've witnessed. It was... It's probably taken me 20 years to get over that, um, India, and it's been, it, it has stirred up a lot of questions, some of which I still don't have answers for. And, uh, you know, I intended to go there, and I thought I was going to be there, and that was me, and um, it wasn't. Six months was me, and I was done. And it really, um, it took a lot of coming to terms with, of like, why did I go there and leave my family business and come back and jump back in the business? It, yeah, I really struggled with that. I really struggled with that. Probably one of the other, sac- well, I don't know if it was a sacrifice, but before I left for India, um, God challenged me to give away all the money I had. And We can see that, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm still getting there. That's why I say and, you're uh, still suffering to get over it. You know, and when you're 22, well, you don't have a lot of money, but even if you don't have a lot of money, what you've got, it's still what you've got. And I can tell you, that was a challenge. So I did that. I was obedient to that. Um, And I think that has been a real foundation thing for where I've got to now in business. Um, I know when I came back from India and a year or two later, I, I met Ruth and got hooked up with her, and we were working on buying a house. And Ruth said to me, how much money have you got? And I go, uh, uh, basically none. <laughs> and Ruth, I mean, well, she's a good little saver, so she had some money, which was good. <laughs> but, um, you know, there are sacrifices in following God, you know. And sometimes, yeah, like I say, you know, things are, are hard at the time. You don't know how it's going to work out, so just be obedient, but... Obedience isn't always easy. No, good on. Maybe God sent you there so you could tell that story like you've just done now, because everyone listens to that. George, I know I'm going to change this question around a little bit about challenges, but COVID has obviously impacted what you've been trying to do personally. I'm sure financially it hasn't. What is your greatest challenge with your mission in the Philippines right now, COVID-related, the future? I, I, I can't say that... Uh, that COVID had really had an in impact other than that I can't go there, but I'm not, I'm not essential. Uh, over there, it, it had an impact in the sense that because they don't have the same support system as what we've got in New Zealand, and the, the people, a lot of people couldn't work, which meant there was no money, which meant there was no rice, which means there's no food. And we could make use of that opportunity that uh, COVID created to supply rice to people. But it was at the church, which means that they had to come to church and the, the gospel was shared. 
and the three services that they've got on a Sunday all goes with a meal. So it doesn't really matter whether they come for the, for the gospel message or for the food. The point is they still get the gospel message. Uh, and as such, the, you know, the, the Holy Spirit will just open their, their hearts. And this is why the thing is growing. Um, and that, that's given us the opportunity to get a vehicle to get the older people because once again there's no support to load them on the back of this ute and take them to church, feed them, and give them the gospel. So to a certain extent, COVID has actually created or, or gave us some opportunities. Um, and I think, once again, it's a, it's a matter of prayer and asking the Lord what he wants us to do. You know, this vehicle that I'm talking about, um, we said, well, we need a vehicle there to, to haul people and, and to take food to the, to the kids' uh, feeding program and ministries that we've got. And I, I just happened to have that particular month, an extremely good month, and we did it. And, and I, I got the blessing out of that, and they, and they got the vehicle. Now, it's, it's that sort of thing, but, you know, it's not, not, it's not me doing it. I, I just do what I'm told, uh, and, and, and that's pretty much it. Good on you, George. Sid. Was this the challenges? Um, I'll probably summarize it as three for me. Um, one, it's a really interesting one when you go to a culture and one that you love. Like, I, I love being in Canterbury. Um, same language, but there are differences. And that can really, you can almost um, get, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're all on the same wavelength. And then, whoa, okay, no, we're different, you know. <laughs> we're, we're at, we are actually from the other side of the world from each other. Um, and that's really cool, and that's interesting. That's something to bear in mind. Um, Challenges, uh, I've thrown the kitchen sink at tall poppy syndrome and I hate it with a passion. Um, and yeah, I can still obviously see that kicking around. Um, so that's probably a passion because um, I'm just, yeah, that's a challenge even because I'm really passionate about seeing people really thrive and not ruled by fear and, you know, chucking a question out in a group context and people being so scared to put them, their voice out there. That really breaks my heart. Um, so that's a challenge. Um, that wasn't even on the list. Um, another challenge is probably internal for me. Um, with my mind and what I'm thinking and how I view things and my perspective. Am I viewing it out of sonship and peace with God or am I getting frenetic or all that sort of stuff? Um, and it's really interesting. I think uh, the honeymoon period wore off maybe slightly after two to three years where the young people had heard the same stories from me maybe or, you know, like it's, oh yeah, it's Seb's part of the furniture now. And I think that's an interesting dynamic and that's all good and that's healthy and... That's grand. So that's just been a really, really interesting challenge as well. And it's very much linked into empowerment. And I don't want to hear my voice all the time either. So, yeah. I love hearing that voice, though. You know that. <laughs> okay. Yes, I remember you said it was quite sexy the first time I, I spoke here. Yeah? Still is. Still is. Okay. The last question I put to these guys is, what would you say to the congregation who were thinking of missions long or short? How should they be praying? What should they be thinking or preparing about physically and mentally or financially? Robin, you start. Okay, I would um, say, um, you know, to pray to God for a meaningful testimony or a sermon that um, if you've been called to preach, something that you, you can share and it will be, you know, passionate from your heart and it will touch the heart of other people. 
and then you'll feel confident sharing it and encourage others. And I think if you're going in a team to pray for unity and togetherness in your team. And also I think it's best to go, um, if you're going overseas or anywhere, just go with an open mind and not to be thinking what you will be able to teach or help the people you're visiting go with, but be willing to be open and learn from those people that you're going to um, see and be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit because you never know, he may change your plans or the itinerary at the last minute. And um, for physical thing, I think if, if you can be physically fit and in good health, that can help because you, the living conditions are likely to be different to those in New Zealand. And um, just mentally do some preparation to learn the local greetings so that you can observe customs and uh, work together with your team on um, songs, dramas and um, skits to present. And briefly, Robin, what's the skirt you're oh, wearing? Yes, this here, um, it's a Fijian traditional dress. It's called a Sulu, but this one's very special because it was made um, by the prisoners in the prison who were um, Christians, so it has um, the first Peter chapter 5, verse 7 written on it, and um, this other one on the back is really good too. They're not letting your um, dreams slip through your hands. Cool. Said. Uh, firstly, enjoy the adventure, um, particularly if you're quite serious like me and can get quite intense. Just stop. Just enjoy God. Enjoy the adventure. Um, process the potential cost before leaving as much as possible. Visualize, think, try to not go in naive. Um, a, a really interesting one, um, and I think this is particularly important. I bang on about this to the kiddos, but um, often when you hit 18, 19, or when you're moving abroad, the key questions that people will ask you are what? What are you doing over there? Or where are you going to? Um, I had a couple of people who were asking me, Seb, who are the key people you're connecting with? Who are the key people you're journeying with? And it just shifts it from what and materials and job and to actually who are the key people? And I, I think there's something really profound on that. Not that the what's aren't unimportant. Uh, not that the what's are important, double negative. Um, they are, but just that who focus is really, really big. And there's two words God gave me when um, I came here. Humility and listen. Um, and really based on the opening of Philippians 2, where Jesus didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped, but instead emptied himself. He took on flesh that incarnational approach. Um, yeah, God really told me to come in those two weeks here and, and continually to just listen to the people of Christchurch and come in humility. Um, and I think that's particularly important for a young Brit um, coming into Christchurch post-quakes. Uh, post but I think it's, um, it's true wherever you go. Go in humility and really listen. Um, and lastly, enjoy the adventure again. Well, yes, I, I think you should start with... Uh with prayer and serious prayer and ask the Lord whether this is what he wants. And there'll be nothing wrong if you ask for confirmation. Do your Gideon thing and ask him for, to give you a confirmation that you're sure, sure that you are into this. And then uh, even on a local level, before you go overseas or if you do, maybe you don't want to go overseas or he doesn't want you to go overseas, uh, ask him to give you somebody to talk to that, that, and, 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 and he will not give you the chief 
devil worshiper in Christ Church, he'll give you somebody that the Holy Spirit has most probably prepared beforehand so you can, you can get into it to share the gospel with people. And it is really easy. Uh, you know, if you're, a, if you're a, a male, you always want to talk about your girlfriend when you're young. And you want to tell everybody like that because there's a love relationship. And, the, and this girlfriend is so great. And the same goes for girls. I don't know. I've never been one so, but, but I would think it would be. Uh, uh, so... You know, it's the same thing. You've got this love relationship that you want to share with somebody, and you just look for an angle to tell this person about the love of your life. And that's it. And then enjoy it. It is, it is, it is a journey, and it is a rewarding journey. It is, you know, and the, and the advantage is, if you look at the investment side of it, it's not only rewarding here. The rewards you're going to harvest on the other side. Imagine you walk into heaven and these guys say, oh, you were that guy that spoke to us down there. Look, thank you very much. Look where we are now. Man, is that not going to be great? Huh? So, and you want to do none of that? Because you think you're not a theologian? You're not supposed to be a theologian. That's why you've got the Holy Spirit supporting you. But yes, you've got to read a little bit in your Bible that you've got to at least know this and that. But, uh, you know, don't, don't let that put you off. Just go for it. And that's it. Um, someone who's uh, thinking about omniscience. I think you need to... Um, you need to really know what, what you want to do and why you want to do it. You need to think through it quite carefully. And I mean, just going's good, but you've got to have a purpose and you've got to have something you can bring to the table there that is going to be useful and fulfilling to you. So you need to do a bit of research, I think. Um, I'd probably also say be careful what you wish for because you might get it. So be careful what you think about and you know know why you're going and what you want to do even though chances are you'll only know 5% of it but at least have a little bit of an idea and also I think if you want to see God move you've got to put yourself in positions where God can do something through you if you if you're sitting at home thinking man I want to see God work in my life and I want to go and I want to see God doing some cool things well you've got to put yourself in that position so go. Go. Don't be afraid to go. It's a great life experience. Just go. It'll work Get out. You, Alex. Hey, look, uh, three very quick things from me. I just want to do a quick shout-out to Joan and your BMF ladies team. I'm not going to name them because I'll miss the name out, but you know who you are. You guys do fantastic work. There is a cake stall next week, so put a couple of bucks in your pocket. And lastly, George comes to missions teams meetings. We are a small team, and he always says one thing. We're not about offshore. We're about evangelising people no matter where they are, which is why SEB is so important to this church. So we need more people in our missions team. We also need a, a young person. I would love to have someone younger than Bradley on that missions team for the ideas and thoughts that you have. But remember, we're about prayer and encouragement and being aware of what our missions are doing. You don't have to jump on a plane and do a short term. You don't have to want to be a long-term missions person. You just have to have a love for God and what he's doing. Give these guys a massive hand. Thanks, guys, for what you've done. Well done.